At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. And today we have a special election edition of the Commonwealth Matters. And with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. We ought to have like special election music. Or something like that. There you that. go. <laughs> you just, there you go. That's, that's our special <laughs> election music. So, so Ron, the, the this is, boy, a silly season, for lack of a better word. It is. Because there, we see a lot of ads on TV. We hear ads on the radio. There's newspaper ads, election mailers. We've got all mm-hmm. of this stuff out there, mm-hmm. really a lot of smoke that's filling the air, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. And it it brings confusion as to who is running for office, where do they stand on the issues, who can you believe? Well, it actually seems like whoever screams the loudest and insults their opponent the most is hoping that those things will be able to convince voters to choose them. And there's actually a completely different system of being able to select voters, and that's to be able to look at where they stand on issues. Yeah. Not, not what the other person thinks about this. That's a novel <laughs> idea. Yeah. Let's look at where they stand on yeah. the issues. But can yeah. you believe the different groups that are out there saying this person stands here, that person stands there? And then you have groups, third-party groups, that uh, aren't working with the candidate or the campaign or a political party. They're independent groups mm-hmm. that you've got to wonder, are they telling the truth as well? Mm-hmm. And by the way, Commonwealth Policy Center has one of those groups. Yeah, We're telling do. the sure, truth. Sure. I'm not saying Absolutely that we don't, right, but right. Commonwealth Policy Center does have a political action committee that primarily sends out questionnaires to candidates. And well, we'll and that's ask- what I like. That's yeah. what I like. And I hate to interrupt you, but but that's what I, I like about your voter guides. You, you put together a list of questions. Those questions are uh, reflect how they stand uh, according to family values, biblical principles, uh, even though I, I, you probably don't use that term, um, yeah. biblical principles, but it's family values. And then you ask the candidates in their own word, answer those questions. Yeah. And I, I have always been leery and warned people, if a candidate refuses to answer the survey, in my opinion, in my opinion, just this is Ron Hicks's opinion, yeah. that's a red flag. Yeah. And why wouldn't they want to answer that? And that's always been a red flag to me. So just to clarify, the Commonwealth Policy Center sends out a questionnaire asking candidates where they stand on the sanctity of human life, mm-hmm. religious freedom, marriage between a man and a woman, fiscal responsibility, legalization of marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, and then also legalization of pot. Right. Those, are, those are the questions on the survey this year. We mm-hmm. sent them out to every single state House candidate, every single state Senate candidate, and the congressional candidates as well. And if, uh, if you'd like to find out where the candidates stand, you can go to our website, commonwealthpolicycenter.org, and you'll find not just the responses to the questionnaire, but if they're an incumbent, and that means that they're in office right now, mm-hmm. you will see their votes on these key issues. Right, right, right. There are many votes that have been taken on the right to life and on religious freedom, mm-hmm. and we do document those votes as well. Just to clarify, you said where they stand on marijuana and where they stand on pot. You mean medical marijuana and recreational marijuana? Is that what you <laughs> meant by a, that? That's a good 
question, and it, it is important to distinguish those two. So we asked if they're for the legalization of recreational right, marijuana, right, right. Okay. which is different. Right, yeah, okay. And we could probably do an entirely sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just where they stand on that. But yeah, I understand, I understand. So, so Ron, uh, we do have resources at the Commonwealth Policy Center at commonwealthpolicycenter.org, but I want us to talk about how Christians should... Uh, vote in the election, or what should they look for? That's a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. What should they look for in their leaders before they go to the polls? Uh, we just mentioned this survey and, and whether or not they're willing to respond to the survey. That's a red flag to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if what if you have leaders that say one thing on a survey, but they're doing something differently once they're in office? Well, and, uh, um, the term family values I have I have learned through through my many years on this planet that family values mean different things to different people, uh, and so you you can have a candidate to say I'm for family values I'm pro family, however that means they're also pro abortion it means that they're that, that they're pro things that you and I may not consider to be pro family so we have to understand the terms that they use and don't don't just kind of you know buy into but I think another factor that's even more important than that is do not buy into this idea that Christians should stay in their lane and they shouldn't become involved in politics. The Bible talks about our responsibilities as citizens, and as citizens of this country, our government wants to know what we think. We're going to talk about that in a little more detail in the last segment about answering objections to Christians being involved Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. politics and public policy. But there are biblical principles that speak oh, to sure. what we should look for oh, in candidates. Yeah. And one of those is found in Exodus 18, 21 through 23. It's where Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, sees that Moses is overwhelmed with judging the people. Mm-hmm. Everybody was bringing their case to him. Moses, judge between me and my neighbor, mm-hmm. or me and my family member. Mm-hmm. And Moses was burdened by it. Mm-hmm. So Jethro came up to him with some sage advice, and he said this to Moses. He said, look for able men from all the people men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will give to their place in peace. Good advice. I mean, incredible so, advice. Yeah. So what what we're seeing here, though, are uh, issues of integrity, issues of character that Moses is being told by his father-in-law to look for in in people that will judge, people who would be leaders. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you say that today we should still look for those same absolutely character traits? And and I think I think maybe to look to see. Where is this person? How active has this person been in their community? What 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 do they feel is important in their community? How have they become involved in their community? You know, if, if somebody has to have a title before they can get involved, my dad used to always say, "Are they really deserving of the title?" Mm-hmm. And the verse right before that, um, Jethro is saying to Moses, he says, "Moses, you have a responsibility. Teach the people God's decrees and and, and instruct them on God's way. Show them the way they ought to live and how they ought to behave." And then from those people, from those people who are educated on God's ways, choose men who are capable, who are who are able-bodied. And then he goes on to explain what a capable person is, somebody who fears God. And so, I, how I, you know, I, I believe that we have a responsibility. Your organization, you you instruct candidates on on how to become a candidate. Here at our church, we instruct people on on what the Bible says about what Christian living is like. 
And then we ought to use those principles to decide who our leaders are going to be. Do what they believe, line up with what God's Word says. I'm a born-again believer. It it, it permeates every aspect of my life. I'm not going to elect a person who stands contrary to what the Bible has to say. I believe that would be dishonoring to Christ. And so I've got to know what the Bible says. Then i got to know what they say. So, So you as a pastor are teaching the people here in the congregation. You're teaching them what the Word says about candidates, about government, about uh, morality in the sure. public arena. Absolutely. I've got a sermon that I do around election time. It's called Bibli- uh, 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 Political Issues from a Biblical Perspective. We, we don't do candidates. We don't talk about, you know, candidates and all. But we do talk about the idea of this is the issue. This is what the Bible says about it. That's good. Stick with us. We'll be back in just a minute with the Commonwealth Matters. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, we are talking about uh, elections and how to discern who we should vote for in the upcoming elections. And just before the break, we talked about uh, Jethro giving advice to Moses as far as who to choose or what to look for in leaders over Israel. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things that we should look for as well in our leaders today. One of the points he made was that Christians should look to what the Bible says about moral issues and about those who would best represent us. Um, I think what we're talking about here is to find leaders with convictions, with biblical convictions, and then to get behind them. Uh, there's a passage in 1 Chronicles 12:32 that stands out in the Old mm, Testament. Yeah. It's, a, it's a certain kind of leader. Yes. And uh, it's about the men of Issachar. And I don't know if you have that passage oh, yes, in front I of you. Yes, I do. I do, actually. share that with it, us? It says uh, of Issachar, and I, I think the context here, just very quickly, David is gathering his army yeah. to be able to uh, run the enemy out of Bethlehem again. I believe in this particular case yeah. it's the Philistines. Yeah. I, um, yeah. And uh, and and in one passage it talks about 16,000 warriors with swords and shields and all. So each one of the 12 tribes, they're, they're sending men to David to be able to rout the Philistines. And it says in First uh, Chronicles twelve thirty two of Issachar for the tribe of Issachar, men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do, two hundred chiefs, and all their kinsmen under their command. Mm-hmm. So the men of Issachar, they didn't send a bunch of warriors, they didn't send a bunch of armor, they didn't send up just two hundred chiefs who understood the times mm-hmm. and knew what to do. There are two profound things there. First of all, you, 
you have to have men who are understanding of the times yeah. that we live in. Yeah. And when you consider the times that we're in, Ron, we don't have a moral reference point mm-hmm. anymore no. by no. which to judge right and wrong. Right. And it's gotten to the point where if you identify with the other gender, it's okay. You should be encouraged to do that. If, if anybody speaks out against that, they're the ones that have a problem. Mm-hmm. And I say that with care because I realize that gender dysphoria is a real issue that people struggle with. At the same time, we are human beings made in the image of God. We're yes. made male and female. Those things are fixed. Gender is fixed. It mm-hmm. is not fluid. And when we no longer can say that if you are born with biological male parts, that means you're a man. If you're born with biological female parts, that means you're a woman. If we can no longer say that, then what can we say is objectively right. true. Right. So, so I share that as an example to share that we, we don't have that fixed moral reference point or an agreed upon moral reference point anymore in our society. Well, and, and, and you go ahead. I'm so sorry. we need to understand the time. And that's one of it, that's Absolutely. one example. And, yeah. and you look at the life issue. Mm-hmm. Do we understand that in Kentucky, it's about 3000 unborn babies do not get to see the light of day mm-hmm. every year because they're aborted. Right. Uh, do we understand the times when it comes to uh, other moral issues like marriage between a man and woman that was redefined by the Supreme Court just mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So these are the times that we're living in. The second part of First Chronicles twelve thirty two says, who knew what to do. Right. Those who understood the times and knew what to do. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Well, you know, Richard, I think knowledge is, is having information. Wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. So the men of Issachar understood the times, but then they knew what to do. I think you, you gave a perfect example. There is no moral compass anymore. Brothers and sisters who are listening to this program, who are born-again believers, do not let people negate your point of view simply because it's based on the Bible. If somebody says, if you say, well, I believe the uh, the, the sanctity of marriage, it's ordained by God. If somebody says, well, I don't believe in that God, you say, I, I wasn't asking you what you believe. I'm sharing with you what I believe. Yeah. My, my basis of, of belief, the foundation, the rock in which I stand is God's holy word. And so don't, don't let people intimidate you or somehow negate you, marginalize you because you believe that the Bible is the, uh, uh, the truth of God. And, and so that's the, that's the first thing is understand that you are going to get pushed back yeah. because you mentioned the Bible. That's okay. The Bible itself says that the gospel is an offense to a non-believer. And so they're going to be offended, certainly. So understand that. But, but then understand how to apply God's word to be able to, to in love, share the truth and to be able to say, this is what God says. And Ron, we're going to come back and talk about common objections to Christians engaging the public arena in okay, politics sure. in the last segment. Yeah. So we're talking about understanding right now. And, mm-hmm. and of course, Christians need to understand what the Bible says. They need to understand how to respond to the pushback, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But what offices are on the ballot? That's another thing. We need to go into this election realizing, first of all, that every local city race will be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Every County-level race, so magistrates, judge executives, sheriffs, PVAs, uh, county clerks, circuit court clerks, these are offices that will all be on the ballot. And, sure. hey, those local offices are something that we cannot overlook. Well, and people say, PVA, really? You know, one, what is PVA, and what does that have to do with me? Well, let me it's, answer that. It's a property, <laughs> since you asked, yeah. it's a property value administrator. Right, and they're the ones that said the value of your property and determine how much taxes you're going to pay on that in a roundabout way. 
So you better have an honest person in there. Somebody who's competent, somebody capable to do the job, but they better be honest, too. When yes. doing that. And they share your values on how the government spends your money. If you have somebody that says, yes, I believe the government ought to have more and more of your money to be able to fund more and more programs, well, then then, then they're the ones that are helping to determine the taxes. So you want to make sure that they share your values. That's right. Certainly. So, the, so just about every local office is on the ballot mm-hmm. uh, this election. And then when it comes to state level, every state House member, now these mm-hmm. are the people that comprise the General Assembly. This is the lower house. They serve two-year terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're on the ballot as well. There are 100 state House members. Everyone will be on the ballot. Right. Then we have a state Senate. Uh, there are 38 state senators in Kentucky, and half of them are on the ballot. So 14 state senators are on the ballot as well. Then all of our congressional races, there are six congressmen that represent Kentucky in the lower house at the federal level. And then we, of course, have two U.S. senators. Neither of those are on the ballot. Right. But so and are, we have a constitutional amendment. Constitutional Amendment, that's correct. It Mm -hmm. deals with crime victims' rights. This is known as Marcy's Law, and essentially it says that uh, crime victims and their families should be notified if if somebody who has been convicted has been let out of prison, if they have a parole hearing, uh, other important information that crime victims should know about. Mm -hmm. So that is a question that's Mm -hmm. on the ballot as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So we need to know who's on the ballot. We also need to know the election day, mm-hmm. November the 6th, Tuesday, November the mm-hmm. 6th. It's coming up quickly. Mm-hmm. We also need to know that there are good resources out there, reliable, truthful information sources that help voters to know where the candidates stand on, especially mm-hmm. important moral issues and social issues. Yeah. And that's something that we had mentioned earlier, that the Commonwealth Policy Center has these resources on the web Right sure, now. sure. Well, and, and, and not only that, you can go, I mean, you can, anybody that knows anything about the computer, you can Google a sample ballot uh, for Christian County, for Trigg County, for whatever county, and it brings up the ballot, tells you what you're going to be voting on, who those people are, and then from there, you can use that as a jumping off point to be able to find what these people stand for. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer.
Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, how do you respond when somebody says that you're basing your views on the Bible, that it's an old book written by old white people thousands of years ago, or whatever their criticism might be? Sure. How do you respond to that? Well, I, I tell you, Richard, and I appreciate that question, and, and we kind of call that the softball questions because— one of the things I love to do is when somebody says, it's just a book written by men. I say, well, actually, you must be talking about a different book because the Bible is 66 separate writings written by 40-plus authors on three different continents and three different languages spanning over a 1,500-year period of time. So if you're talking about a book written by a man, well, then you must not be talking about the same book that dictates my moral beliefs. And so they say, well, I didn't know that. Okay, well, so then you then then you're saying you're objecting to a book that you don't know anything about that helps to be able to. And I realize sometimes that comes across as a little snarky or whatever word. But but you know sometimes you just got to kind of stand people up, get their attention. Yes, it's a book that I base my my values on, and and it's a book that that you may not be familiar with. So let me kind of tell you a little bit about it, and and so I, it kind of puts them back a little bit, and then. Um, so what you're saying is that the Bible is a valid reference source, uh, that it stands alone as true, that it is um, something, you know, just that it was written over a 1,500-year time period, 40 different authors, mm-hmm. 66 books, that it actually makes sense, mm-hmm. that it actually doesn't contradict, as some people right, would say. Right. But there's a continuity throughout it. Yeah. Uh, Christians believe that it's a living Word of God, yes. that it is God-breathed, mm-hmm. that He spoke through people who were writing. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what makes it unique from all other books, yes. but also for Christians that it's reliable to make decisions. How, who am I? How should I live? What is important? What should I, what makes for a healthy society? What makes for a healthy family? It's there in God's word. Richard, it's not, it's not theoretical. It's practical. I'm, I'm knocking on the door of 60 in a couple of years. I'll be there. So I say I'm close enough for, to call myself that. By the um, way, you, you look good for 60. Thank the, you. The, the listeners you can't see it, but you look, you look very good. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's a practical living guide for me. It's not one of these things that I've just heard about, and, and there might be theories that may or may not be plausible. Uh, my family and I uh, govern our lifestyle on what the Scriptures have to say. It helps me to be a, a good husband and, and, and a good father and to be a good brother and to be a good pastor and to be a good citizen. It's a practical living guide. And, and to date, I've not found any bad advice in there. It teaches me to love my brother, even to love my enemy. That's good. So, Ron, we're going to answer very quickly, in okay. short order, right. common objections to Christians being involved with public policy okay. or politics. Here we go. Rapid fire. So, Ron, you can't legislate morality. Who are you to try to legislate morality for the rest of us? How do you respond? Answer. Every law is somebody's morality, whether it's my morality or your morality. If you believe that it's okay to take a baby's life before they're born, that's your morality. Mine is... Let them be born because they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. So every, every law is somebody's morality. Hey, to add to that, Martin Luther King Jr. had a great response when somebody said that, they were try- that he was trying to impose his morality mm-hmm. on the rest of society. He said this, It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important. Amen. So that was a great statement mm-hmm. as far as it, you can't change somebody's heart, but it can enforce the law as far as from imposing their immorality Absolutely. on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Ron, next question. Separation okay. of church and state. We have a, they'll, they'll say we have a law that says you can't mix church and state and by getting involved with moral issues and social issues, 
from your Christian worldview, you're separ- you're you're uh, mixing the two. You're blurring the two. How well, do you respond? And, <clears throat> that's another great question, and and it's almost like one of those that when somebody says the Bible is a book written by men, mm-hmm. uh, I I say actually the phrase separation of church and state isn't in the Constitution. Now the principle is there. It says the government shall not establish a religion, yeah. nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. You can't have the first half of that statement without the second half. And so there, the, the, the Constitution says that there will be no law that's enacted that will prohibit me from freely exercising my religion. And that means if I take my religion into the voting booth, if I take my religion to help to choose my candidates or to be able to run for office, that the government will not impose a law to restrict that. Right. The uh, primary purpose, as is, is you're alluding to, is that's to keep the state out of the church's affairs. Absolutely. They, founding fathers were afraid of a national church. That's what they fled from in England. There was one church, and there were no other denominations that were allowed. The founding fathers were, were very much against that. Very quickly, I, I took a mission trip to, to Russia, and the church we were helping them build, the government had to approve every single aspect of that church to include what the baptistry looked like. And they didn't understand that we as Baptists building a Baptist church in Russia, we believe that you got to get in the baptistry. And so we had literally had to educate the government officials on what baptism was, according to the Baptist faith, yeah. so that they could build a proper baptistry. That's what happens when the government gets involved in the church. Wow. So here's the third objection okay. that I'd like you to answer. Christians should just focus on the gospel. Don't get involved with politics. Don't get involved with culture and public policy. Just focus on the gospel. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if the United States doesn't stand for anything, it stands for freedom. Now, we as Christians believe in freedom, a a supernatural sort of freedom from sin, freedom from death, and all the rest of those sort of things. But we as a country stand for freedom as well. The freedom to be able to believe what you believe, to practice that belief. And so for a Christian to say, I've got to stay in my lane, I have no business in politics, and what we're going to do is allow everybody else to determine for us what it is is the right and wrong. And as Christians, we have a moral compass. It is God's holy word. And we have to ensure we are, we are obligated by our society to make sure that our values are represented, just like every other people group, every other thought needs to make sure that their values are represented. And, and whoever the majority is, <laughs> they, get to, they get to decide. So to press into this a little further, uh, for Christians that believe in the Lordship of Christ, if they believe that Jesus is their Savior, that he rose again from the dead, that he takes on their sins when they repent, they believe that he is Lord of all, not just their spiritual life, right? but he is Lord over everything they do, from what they do in their homes, to what they do in their workplace, to how they vote in the in the at the ballot box. And Richard, if Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, he tells me that he'll separate the sheep from the goats by determining whether I greeted the stranger, whether I fed the hungry, whether I visited those that were sick, and whether I visited those who were in prison, whether I ministered to the widows and the orphans in their affliction. Yeah. So how I treat the least of these, I will be judged by. The Bible says I should love and pray for my enemy. So even people who disagree with me, I'm commanded by God's yeah. holy word to love them and to respect them. I don't see how that can be a wrong thing. So, so by that example, you're referring to Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. You see uh, a public demonstration of the faith, feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, clothing the naked, visiting those who are in prison. That's a very visible yeah. uh, manifestation of the faith. Yeah. It doesn't mention politics or public Mm-mm. policy, Mm-mm. but there's a principle that it's Absolutely. just visible and that it's public. And I think the, the implication is that we 
as Christians, if we take all of the words seriously, we take it with us wherever we go. Well, and getting back to what Jethro told Moses, teach, teach the people to do what's right. And so if the people know what, what's right, then they're going to be doing it. We don't need to rely on our government to do that. The people will do that.